1: this Saturday afternoon, American Family Radio is the name of the network. My name is Walker Wildman. I'm your host here of Exposing Washington. The main purpose of the show is to expose the deception in our nation's capital and help Christians stay informed about government. And that's what we do each week here on American Family Radio. The show name, as I said, is Exposing Washington. You can always find out more information by visiting our website, afr.net. afr.net is the website. Also download the podcast, uh, really anywhere you listen to podcast, Just type in Exposing Washington and you'll find our podcast uh, on uh, on the podcast. Whatever kind of podcast platform you use, there's multiple out there, but we have the podcast posted everywhere. One other thing I wanted to mention is the Uh, an app, a new app that we have just released, or really it's just an updated version of the app that we have released, and that is our AFA Action Alert app. So the Parent Ministry of American Family Radio is American Family Association. And if you go to the App Store, whether you're on an Apple uh, device or an Android, you can... uh, you can download the AFA Action Alert app on your device, and all of our alerts that come out of American Family Association, you can uh, get those instantly right there on your phone and take action. Very easy to do. So just go to your app store, type in Action Alerts uh, or AFA Action Alerts, and you can download uh, the app there. And uh, we'll post a link to that on our podcast page at AFR.net. So a great way to stay uh, up to date on all things American Family Association. Shifting gears uh, into uh, the topics of the show, we're going to talk about several different things. We're going to talk about the Democrat Iowa caucus, a few things going on there. We're going to talk about this impeachment trial that's making me want to fall asleep when I watch it. And we're going to talk about uh, the Democrats' hypocrisy when it comes to Ukraine and how they're uh, they're they're preaching that they are uh, the 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 biggest defenders of Ukraine, and we're going to look at whether that's actually true or not. What is the Democrat record when it comes to Ukraine? And uh, so that's what we'll talk about on today's show. To start off, I want to play clip one here. This is Elizabeth Warren, and she's she's uh, campaigning in Iowa. We got the Iowa caucus coming up very soon. And as she's campaigning, she runs into this, this father who confronts her. And basically, he says, and, and you're going to listen to it for yourself, but he, he's talking about student loan payments and how it's unfair that he saved up money to pay for his daughter's college, but yet Elizabeth Warren wants to give other people free college. And he talks about how that that, that is uh, not doing him right is... is is basically what he's saying. So let's listen to clip one. My daughter's getting out of school. I've saved all my money. She doesn't have any school Am I
0: going
1: to get my money back? Of not. So you're going to pay for people who. Didn't save any money, so and those of us that did the right thing get.
0: No, it's not even Of course we did. My buddy had fun, bought a car, went
1: on vacations.
0: I saved my money. He made more than I did, but I worked a double shift, worked extra. My dollars worked. He was ten. So you're laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing,
2: and we get.
1: Well, there you have it. And what he said there what we bleeped out is is something that we just didn't want to play on the air. But basically, what he said there is. We're doing the right thing, and then we get treated wrongly. We get done wrong, if you will, as the saying. Uh, we get treated wrongly for doing the right thing. What is the right thing? That is saving up and paying for your own college, which is what people have been doing for decades now. And so he starts off by saying, are you going to give me my money back? If you pass this free college program, are you going to give me my money back? And she says, absolutely not. And so then he gets really mad and he says, my daughter was 10 years old working and I worked two jobs to save for my daughter's college so she wouldn't go into debt. And then here you are, you're about to bail everybody out. All the people who don't work, who are lazy, they're all going to get free college. How unfair is that? And I agree. And so that's just interesting to see there in Iowa. People still uh, have a grasp of reality the voters do there in Iowa, and I think you're going to see that reaction. Should Elizabeth Warren and really any of the Democrats, for that matter, get the nomination, you're going to see that kind of reaction across the country, where people, maybe they're not hardcore conservatives, but maybe they're somewhere in the middle. But when you start talking about giving away free stuff and using American taxpayers' money, that's when people start getting mad, because we already Some could argue we already pay too much in taxes. I would be one to argue that. And the government blows it on all kind of insane stuff, and we'll talk about that too later. But you want to start giving people free college? What about all the people who've been saving and paying for their own college? What about people who who have worked to pay off student debt? You know, they worked for years to pay off student debt. They finally get it paid off, and then here come the Democrats wanting to give people free college. That's not going to make people happy. Understandably so. Speaking of Iowa, you know, Bernie Sanders, that fella is doing well in Iowa. He he resonates with voters and whether you like his policies or not, Bernie Sanders, the senator from Vermont, he resonates with voters. Why? Because he's at least semi genuine. I don't want to say he's fully genuine because he is also a multimillionaire, just like the rest of the Democrat uh uh, runners in Iowa, so but he's, he preaches against uh, against wealth and Bernie Sanders. But other than that, for the most part, Bernie Sanders is pretty consistent when it comes to his policy proposals. And so he resonates with the voters in Iowa and across the country. the the left uh, the left of the left the left wing part of the Democrat Party and. President Obama and the establishment, they're getting anxious about what's going on in Iowa with Senator Bernie Sanders and his, uh, and his poll numbers. Reading directly from a Breitbart.com story, former President Barack Obama is reportedly growing, quote, increasingly anxious over Senator Bernie Sanders' rise in the polls and is considering issuing a statement on the socialist candidate. Fox Business senior correspondent Charles Gasparano reported on Thursday. And so the Democrat establishment getting a little nervous that ju- that uh, Bernie Sanders might actually win a few of the primaries. And if you go back to 2016 and you look at, at, at the plate, at, at how the Democrat primary played out back then, Bernie Sanders actually probably would have won. The Democrat nomination, had there not been this thing called superdelegates. What are superdelegates? They are primary Democrat primary delegates that are not bound by any votes. That are not bound by any state popular votes. And so superdelegates can pretty much do what they want. And what do they do? They voted for Hillary Clinton, despite the fact that that Bernie Sanders was actually winning uh, uh, primaries across the country for the Democrat nomination. Here come the superdelegates and the Democrat establishment have the whole system rigged to favor Hillary Clinton. That's why Bernie Sanders supporters were very, very ups, upset, understandably.
2: Shifting in to,
1: uh, 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 to talk about the impeachment trial that we have going on, in Washington, D.C., you know, this, this, uh, this trial is very monotonous. It's very boring. And I said on the radio earlier this week, but the, the, these senators who are having to sit in the Senate chamber for 12, 14 hours a day,
2: I feel very bad for them.
1: Because these senators have never had to work this much in their entire life. Because if you look at the traditional layout of the Senate,
2: a standard, quote, work week is when senators fly into Washington, D.C. on Monday evening, go to a fancy dinner, then they work. Tuesday,
1: Wednesday, part of Thursday, and when I say they work, I'm talking maybe a couple hours a day, maybe at best, maybe eight hours a day. Thursday evening, they're flying back home. So you're looking at best at a three day work week in Washington, D.C. That's the status quo. Occasionally, they might work a little overtime. But now they're having to sit in the Senate chamber nonstop for 12, 13, or 14 hours a day, multiple
2: days in a row. And, you know, this, this ties directly in
1: to the fact that if only our, our lawmakers, our elected representatives, spent this much time actually doing work, because if you look at, at, at the breakdown of what Congress does, meaning the House and the Senate, the work that they do, they actually don't do that much when it comes to meaningful things, meaningful legislation. The Senate actually does more work than the House because the Senate does uh, confirmations of executive branch appointments and judicial branch appointments. But when, you, when you're looking at the House, they absolutely don't do anything. And it's the same case with Republicans. When they're in charge, they don't do anything either. And I've always argued that we'd be better off if Congress just went home. Our country would be better off if they would stop passing bad legislation. The rare instances that they actually pass legislation, the vast majority of the time, it's, it's bad legislation. It's full of pork. It's full of wasteful
2: spending. Let's
1: listen to clip four here. This is U.S. Senator Joni Ernst talking about the Democrats and how they actually opposed aid to Ukraine in past years. Clip four, let's listen.
0: When did Russia roll their tanks into Crimea? That was 2014. Obama administration. How did the Obama administration react to that invasion of Ukraine? They reacted by sending blankets. Blankets don't throw lead downrange. This administration, President Trump provided lethal aid to the Ukrainian people. Actually allowed them an opportunity to defend themselves. The House Democrats, these House managers, did nothing of the sort to provide that assistance to Ukraine and yet now they are on their high horse on their high horse about President Trump not doing enough for Ukraine
1: a couple things here so what what Senator Ernst is talking about is how the Democrats are on the Democrat impeachment managers are on the Senate chamber floor speaking for hours and hours about how President Trump is not helping Ukraine. President Trump is not helping Ukraine. He's withholding aid from Ukraine.
2: But when you look at the facts, that's absolutely not
1: true. Here's what President Obama was doing when Russia was invading Crimea, which is a part of Ukraine.
2: Here's what Obama was doing. He was sending them blankets and
1: MREs. No kidding. President Trump gets into office and he starts sending Ukraine lethal aid, meaning weapons and ammo and military
2: equipment. And then when the
1: Democrats had the chance to vote for lethal aid for Ukraine to defend themselves against, against Russia, they all vote against it. Half of the, half of the Democrat impeachment managers voted against it. And here they are preaching to the Senate about how they need to support Ukraine. This is a side note, but on the the same topic. Why is it the U.S.'s responsibility to help Ukraine?
2: There's this thing called NATO,
1: which was specifically formed to combat Russian aggression. And here we are across the pond, and we're pumping hundreds of millions of dollars into Ukraine, into Ukraine's military. Where on earth is NATO? That is their one job is to combat Russian aggression. And, 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 and then even Republicans, they think it's the U.S.'s job to protect everybody. Why doesn't Ukraine protect itself? They're the most corrupt country in the world. They rank, believe it or not, you've got all these African countries. You've got countries all over the world. You've got these South American countries. You've got Mexico, where the cartels are running the government. But believe it or not, Ukraine is ranked among the top, one of the most corrupt countries in the world.
2: Ukraine has its own problems. Ukraine is not some angel sitting across the ocean, being victim to
1: Russian aggression. They are to a certain extent. But we better be careful sending millions of dollars of taxpayer funds to Ukraine. Where on earth is that money going? Nobody knows. Where's that money going? Nobody knows. Well, actually, I do know. I'll tell you where it's going. It's going to Hunter Biden. (laughs) The money's going to Hunter Biden. That's where it's going, and it's going into the pockets of the family members of the of our lawmakers. This is the way the system works.
2: This is how the system works. And that's what makes this so laughable, what's
1: going on in Washington, D.C., is that these Democrats are acting so perplexed and, and flabbergasted, and they just can't understand how President Trump could leverage his position to withhold aid to Ukraine. How dare him do that? How dare him try to personally benefit from Ukraine while he's in the Oval Office? Well, welcome to America in the 21st century,
2: where U.S. presidents
1: and lawmakers leverage their positions to enrich themselves. And I'm not saying President Trump is doing that. He was actually just using his position to figure out what on earth is going on in Ukraine with the corruption. Good for him. But you would be shocked at the number of lawmakers in Washington, D.C., and past presidents who have leveraged their office to enrich themselves financially Using taxpayer dollars. You want to talk about the Clinton Foundation? Let's talk about it. Hundreds of millions of dollars from foreign governments while Hillary Clinton is Secretary of State, that money's flowing into the Clinton Foundation.
2: You want to talk about quid pro quo
1: and, and conflict of interest? There you go. You've even got Mitch McConnell. Yeah, I said it Mitch McConnell, the Republican senator. His wife's father, so Senator McConnell's father-in-law, owns a massive shipping
2: company in China.
1: So you want to tell me that Mitch McConnell is going to be a fair broker when it comes to China? No, he's not. His family members work for the Chinese government. There's no way he's going to take adverse actions
2: against China.
1: And the same can be said about dozens, literally dozens of other elected officials who, are doing, who have their family members doing these lavish business deals with foreign governments and lobbying groups.
2: That's the problem with Washington, D.C.
1: And here the Democrats are acting like President Trump is the problem give me a break. Peter Schweitzer, in his book, Clint, he wrote Clinton Cash. He wrote the book Secret Empires. He's actually coming out with a new book. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. But Peter Schweitzer, the author, look him up. Peter Schweitzer, I'll post a link to his his various books on our podcast page at AFR.net. But he outlines all of the corruption and all the money that these uh lawmakers, these U.S. lawmakers, have received off of their positions. And from a technical standpoint, the vast majority of this stuff is legal, but it's not right. It can be legal, but that does not make it right. I think the Apostle Paul said that somewhere in in his writings. It might be legal, but that doesn't make it right. And that's the case here. A congressman may not can, can get money from China, but his wife can. So can his son. That's just a, a way around the system. It's called a loophole. And uh, lawmakers in Washington, D.C. are enriching themselves off of lavish business deals with foreign governments and even with U.S. corporations uh, in areas that they have no business uh, meddling around in. Shifting gears back to the impeachment trial, I want to play clip two. This is Representative Adam Schiff and Senator Casey, both Democrats, so a congressman and a senator, in this clip, talking about how, well, we just can't trust the electoral system. Clip two, let's listen.
2: We are here today to consider a much more grave matter, and that is an attempt to use the powers of the presidency to cheat in an election. For precisely this reason, The president's misconduct cannot be decided at the ballot box, for we cannot be assured that the vote will be fairly won. In this case, what we're reviewing is the president's conduct uh, in in interfering with the next election. So you can't wait for election day to sort that out, because I I think it's very important that the Congress, as the founders uh, enshrined in the Constitution, have to have a check on the executive because if you don't have that check, which is only only permitted through impeachment, there's no other way to do this. No hearing, no court, no nothing can do this because otherwise you could have an executive uh, cheating their way to the next election.
1: Wow. That's Representative Adam Schiff and Senator Casey. I don't even know where Senator Casey is. That shows how relevant he is. I don't even know what state he's from. So a, a congressman and a senator basically accusing President Trump of cheating in 2020 when we hadn't even gotten there yet. We're not even in 2020. We're not even in, we haven't even gotten to the election of 2020. And they're already accusing him of rigging the election. And they say, well, we just can't trust the ballot box. We just can't trust the ballot box. We've got to take care of it now. How many of you remember not that long ago, maybe four years ago, the media and the Democrats colluded to put President Trump on the spot, on the debate stage against Hillary Clinton? And here's what they said, in essence. "Uh, Mr. Trump, will you, uh, if Hillary Clinton wins in November, will you accept the results? Will you accept the outcome of the election? That was the question. And President Trump said, I don't know. We'll just have to see how it goes, <laughs> which is actually a pretty smart answer because how do you know if you're going to accept it before it actually happens? And so President Trump, our candidate Trump then, just got blasted. How dare you not trust the electoral system? How dare you, President Trump, not trust the institution that we have in America called the the ballot box? You need to apologize. You need to commit to us that you will accept the results of the 2016 election. And then what do you have a few months later? Hillary Clinton not accepting the results of the election. And now, here we are, four years later, and Democrats are saying, we just can't trust the electoral system. We just can't trust people voting and doing the right thing. You want to know how you turn off independence? You say dumb stuff like Representative Adam Schiff and Senator Casey just said that we basically, what they just said is, we can't trust the American people to make the right decision on this president, so we're going to take care of it for them. Talk about elitism. That's the prime definition of elitism. These lawmakers in Washington, D.C., they just think they know better than everybody else in America including the left-wing Democrats. We know better than everybody else in our country, and so just let us take care of it, because we have a 15% approval rating on a good day. <laughs> See how laughable this is? We got Congress at like a 15% approval rating, and that's on a good day. Congress has a 15% approval rating, and we need to let them handle who who becomes our next president. We need to let them handle it. Are you kidding me? We need to let the 15% approval rating Congress pick our next president. Good luck with that. Speaking of the, the, the left wing uh, crying foul and making up conspiracies like they've been doing the past four years, George Soros is now saying, this is according to Yahoo News, that Facebook... The left-wing empire called Facebook is conspiring to re-elect Donald Trump. Can you believe that? Here's what George Soros says, the billionaire from Hungary. And why on earth uh, George Soros has so much interest in U.S. elections? Maybe because he's getting rich off our country? George Soros doesn't even live in America. He lives in Hungary. And he is one of the most influential lobbyist billionaires In American politics. And why isn't anyone asking the question, George Soros, what on earth are you doing in America? What on earth are you doing influencing American politics? Maybe because you've gotten rich off American politics. Here's what George Soros says. Here's the conspiracy that he's uh, putting out there. Quote, I think there is kind of an informal mutual assistance operation and agreement developing between Trump and Facebook. Facebook will work together to re-elect Trump, and Trump will work to protect Facebook. Another conspiracy, another day. That's going to be the next Russia hoax. Facebook helping elect Donald Trump in 2020. exposing washington american family radio check out our website afr.net also download the app on the app store just type in afr you get it for free we'll be back next week